Welcome to the Radio Bible Course. How much of the Bible do you believe? How much of the book of Genesis do you think is true? Was there a great flood and a man who built a large ship? A man named Noah? Listen to what Jesus said about it. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days, which were before the flood, they were eating and drinking. They were marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus believed in the flood. He believed in Noah. And he believed that all mankind was destroyed by that flood. Jesus connected that flood to his own return to the earth. Think of it. If there were no flood, then Jesus would be building a false case. If there were no flood, should we believe in Christ's return? And someone might ask, how could Jesus have been so wrong? If we listen to the words of liberal professors today, religion professors, they believe that he was wrong. He was mistaken, they think. But the Jews believe that Moses wrote it and Moses was a prophet. How could Jesus have been wrong? Oh, they say, Moses copied it from Babylonian accounts. Perhaps he found some clay tablets. Or perhaps he heard about the story of the Babylonian flood. Yes, there was a flood in Babylonian history, but it's altogether different from this flood story. Why then do so-called scholars raise questions about the flood story in the Bible? Because they don't want to believe it, and when you don't believe something, you raise doubts by suggesting that perhaps it came from some other source. It's a technique to destroy faith in the Bible as a credible historic record. Now let's examine this theory about borrowing from the Babylonians. Did the flood story originate with the Babylonians? If not, from whom did Babylon borrow it? Well, they never talk about the Babylonians borrowing it from anyone. They just assume that they originated it. And what evidence is there for Moses having borrowed the story? How did he learn of it? Did he have access to tablets? There's no record in the Bible of it. There's no record that he ever got over to Mesopotamia. He was hundreds and hundreds of miles away. Not until the 1800s did modern man learn about the flood story from the discovery of Nineveh. And there is little evidence that this story was widely circulated. Why didn't the Greeks and the Romans borrow the story for their religions? And what in Israel's history required the need for a flood story? Those are difficult questions that the liberals can't answer. The real reason why it's in the book of Genesis is because God revealed it to Moses. This was an event that happened long before Moses was born. Moses was a prophet. God not only told him things about the future, 
but also things about the past. God was speaking through Moses. Was Jesus a fool to believe the flood story? Why, the flood, he said, was related to his return, and his return is the hope of Christianity, as he said to his disciples in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and receive you unto myself, that where I am you may be also. Will Jesus come back? According to the Bible, he's going to come back twice. First, he will come back for his people, the church. He bought them with his own blood. They belong to him. And the Lord revealed through the Apostle Paul that someday there will be a trumpet sound in the voice of the archangel. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain on the earth will be caught up together with them in the air to meet the Lord in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. A short time after that, Jesus will return following the tribulation, a time of terrible suffering on this earth. But Jesus will return, and he said, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son of Man, but the Father alone, for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. Well, if that story really happened that's recorded in the book of Genesis, why don't we have more about it in the New Testament? Why only this statement of Jesus about the flood? Well, we do have more. The Apostle Peter wrote about it in 1 Peter chapter 3. Listen to what he wrote. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did Peter believe in the flood and Noah and eight people being saved aboard that ark? He definitely did. All the apostles believed the stories in the Old Testament. They believed that God had spoken through the prophets, and Jesus affirmed that they had. For he said, these writings were the Holy Scriptures. What about that character named Abraham? Was he a real person? In 1980, a British scholar wrote a book claiming that Abraham was a myth an invention, and he said the people of Israel developed from a people who were nothing other than a mushroom cult. Why, this challenged not only the book of Genesis, but all the references in the New Testament and the basis of salvation by faith. 
Is there truth in the story that an old man named Abraham and Sarah his wife, who was beyond the age of reproduction, actually had a child? Why, that would require a miracle. Is it not the kind of a story one would invent to establish a family as a very special family of God? Well, the Bible has much to say about Abraham beginning in Genesis chapter 12. It says, The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so Abraham left the country of Iraq. It was known as Mesopotamia by the Greeks. It's that land between the rivers, the rivers Tigris and Euphrates. And Abraham eventually traveled north in the country of Iraq to Haran, and then down into the land of Canaan. Abraham then went to Egypt, and he returned from Egypt. Much is said about Abraham in the Bible, and then, in Genesis chapter 15, God made a covenant with Abraham. And he said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me? since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Later the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and they will be enslaved and mistreated for four hundred years. There he was referring to their slavery in Egypt. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here for the sin of the Amorites, has not yet reached its full measure. God promised him on that day that he made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. What is that land? Why, it's the land of Palestine. It was called the land of Canaan. This wasn't heaven. 
God was promising him the land on earth between those rivers, the land where the Jews today occupy part of that land. This was the inheritance of the children of Abraham. God made a covenant. He promised it to them. God made a promise to that man Abraham not only about the land, but about a son who would be born of his old wife in Abraham's old age. We all know the story. The child was Isaac, the child of promise. God fulfilled his promise to Abraham. And yet there are people today who do not believe that Abraham existed. The Bible tells us much more about Abraham. It also tells us where he died and where he was buried. Yet men do not believe in Abraham. Did Jesus believe the stories about Abraham? I hope you'll tune in tomorrow to hear what Jesus had to say about Abraham and how important Abraham is to the Christian faith. Gifts to the Radio Bible Course are not used to pay salaries or benefits to anyone. That's because we are a ministry of volunteers who desire to help you to discover God's truth in the Bible by verse-by-verse -verse exposition. We hope you are benefiting. If you have been blessed by these Bible teaching broadcasts, won't you write and tell us about it? And when you write, please include the call letters of the station on which you hear the radio Bible course. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.